Welcome to Parenting Teens with Depression, a podcast series from Rogers Behavioral Health. Throughout this series, clinical team members from Rogers will help us better understand the causes and symptoms of teenage depression, as well as effective therapies used in treatment and tips parents can use at home. Today on the podcast, we'll hear Dr. Peggy Scallon, Medical Director of Residential Care for Teens with Depression at Rogers, and therapist Samantha Swenson discuss the critical topic of self-harming. Who is at risk? Why do teens self-harm? And what can be done to help? Hi, Dr. Scallon. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Samantha. Yeah, so let's jump right in and just talk about what is self-harm. Self-harm is a very confusing and scary behavior for parents in which teens intentionally cut, scratch, or burn themselves. And self-harm does not necessarily mean that a person is suicidal, but when they intentionally cut or hurt themselves, they often do it secretively and with the intention of changing their mood state, or sometimes because of a sense of feeling bad about themselves. So do you notice any patterns with who does it? We're really talking about teenagers here, and it looks like up to 40% of teenagers have been engaged in self-harm or cutting at least once. The numbers are somewhat unclear because they come from self-report, and sometimes kids can under-endorse these behaviors. Uh, but it's common, and it's becoming more common over time. Most stop by adulthood, but a small number continue into adulthood. It looks like females do it more than males, but not always. And we do know that there don't seem to be differences with regard to socioeconomic status or race. One of the reasons it's been speculated that it's becoming more common is that teens communicate about it on social media, and that may tend to have a contagious effect or may normalize that behavior. Wow, I'm still stuck on that 40%. That is, that's, that's alarming. Why, why do people do it? The teens who engage in cutting have a tendency to get upset more often, and when they do, they have a harder time recovering. They often are kids who want help and connection, but through their actions, they push people away. And so they engage in cutting as a way to change their mood state. They actually endorse before they do it that their moods can be negative and overwhelmed and agitated. And after they do it, they often endorse that they feel relieved and calm, although they're angry at themselves for having done it. So unfortunately, it sounds like it works. Exactly. It, it, it is always available, and it unfortunately is effective for changing their mood state from being agitated, upset, and angry to feeling relieved and calm. But most of the kids that we work with do say that they want to change it and they want to stop. Okay. So how do you treat that? Well, we try to help kids understand their emotions and be more able to identify, label, and communicate their emotions more effectively. We try to teach them better ways to regulate their emotions so they don't have to cut themselves. And there are techniques that teach emotional regulation, such as mindfulness or relaxation or self-soothing strategies. We introduce the idea that teens can tolerate distress and strong emotions and that emotions are impermanent. 
and to consider that they might be making premature conclusions about situations that contribute to their negative moods. Maybe there's another way to look at things. And we also try to get them to recognize how they're pushing other people away and to teach them how to be more direct and honest about what their needs are. Sometimes we offer direct feedback in social situations, such as a stop the world intervention, or we might engage in role plays on our program or discuss these incidents with them afterwards. And we do reflective exercises like analyzing the events that led to the strong emotion in order to help them gain insight. So what do you recommend though for parents at home? What should they look for? Um, what are the signs that their child might be self-harming? Usually this is a secretive behavior and so kids are not going to approach their parents and tell them about this. But parents can look for certain clues. Sometimes kids will dress in ways that cover up self-harm or they will isolate more frequently. When kids do come to parents, one of the things that we tell them is to remember to stay calm. Don't freak out. We want to encourage kids to come to parents. And if parents are supportive and calm and helpful, the child will then feel safe and comfortable seeking out the parent at a time of distress. It must be really challenging for a parent to remain calm in that situation. Absolutely is, and this is really difficult for parents. And so we do encourage parents to get their own support, often their own therapist or parent coach to get through this. It's extremely difficult to see your child who you have carefully nurtured and cared for and protected intentionally harming themselves. And so we, we absolutely encourage parents to get their own support. Is there something that parents can say if they find out that their child is self-harming or that they did just act on self-harm? Absolutely. So it's helpful for parents to reassure the child that they did the right thing by coming to them. They should say things like, I'm going to help you through this. You won't be alone. You did the right thing by coming to me and to manage their own emotional response because if kids see that their parents are becoming so emotionally upset by that, they will continue to keep it a secret and they're overwhelmed by their own emotions as well. And their actions could also potentially reinforce the behavior. Absolutely. At a time when a child is self-harming, we absolutely recommend that parents take them for professional help because it's a sign their child is in distress. Parents should participate in therapy with their child and learn more effective ways to help them communicate and stay safe. So self-harm doesn't necessarily mean that you're, the teen is suicidal in that moment at all times, correct? That's right. Self-harm is different from suicidal behavior. Self-harm is usually a way for the teen to try to change their mood state or to demonstrate their own self-loathing, and that's typically why they engage in self-harm. Most teens will say that it's not suicidal behavior that led them to do that, but that's not to say that if a child is cutting that they don't have suicidality at other times. Sometimes they do. Within our program, when a teen enters our program, we work with the parents and the teen to develop safety plans and distress protocols to help in times where a teen is experiencing high urges to self-harm. Uh, we also might do behavior chain analyses after a resident were to engage in some sort of self-harming behavior to process through what was occurring, why did it happen, 
really get into kind of the details to figure out the vulnerability factors and reasons behind it and what they could do instead next time. Um, we also work with the parents on learning validation skills to support their teen in times of high distress um, where they're experiencing those high urges to self-harm. That's right. Kids who do tend to engage in this cutting are typically lacking in the skills to identify their own emotions, to label those emotions and communicate those to other people. And so we work with them on trying to enhance their ability to gain insight and reflect on what got them there. Yeah, I think we really work with the teens to build their stamina in a sense to learn that they can tolerate it. And just to remind your teen in those moments, like, you can do this, like, you can tolerate this emotion. Um, And that's something that we work through with our teens with emotional regulation skills. We involve parents in therapy in our program in order to work with their child to develop more effective ways to manage emotions. Because what we know is that when kids are engaging in this self-harm, they don't want to be. They do find that it causes them to gain relief of their mood symptoms at the time, but that's very short-term. And in the long-term, they want to change this behavior. They want to feel positive about their coping strategies. They want to be less isolated, and they want to be able to reach out to other adults for support. So we want to join them in this effort and offer other supports and strategies, both in our unit that they can use, as well as on an outpatient basis. Thank you so much, Dr. Stan, for talking about this really important topic. Thanks, Samantha. Rogers Behavioral Health is helping children, teens, and adults rise above their challenges with mental health or addiction. To learn more about Rogers' specialized treatment, visit rogersbh.org today. I'm Becky Wham. Thank you so much for tuning in.